1: everybody. On a surprise Friday episode, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's been a long day for me, Tim. Do you know why we're having an episode right now? I don't think you do. I don't. What happened? You got cut from the Buffalo event? Well, here's the deal. Um, woke up at 430. Flights at 615. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm a pre-packer when it's just myself traveling. So I had all my stuff laid out, all my outfit laid out. Woke up, brushed the old teeth, jumped in the shower, you know, the, use, the usual prep work that goes into keeping me the way I am, which is polished. Get to the airport, give the guy my info. He's like, I don't see your, uh, I don't see your flight. I don't see it. I don't see you. Like, what's your confirmation number? And as he's looking, I'm like, I booked it yesterday, less than 24 hours. Like, I I know I booked my flight. And like, leaned my head, I'm like, I, I bet you I booked it for May. And I look at my confirmation number. I'm like, yep, sure enough, you're a dummy, John. I booked it for May, the last week of May, Friday, Saturday, when I should have been booking for April. So I guess because I go through Kayak, which is like a flight company thing, they must have just automatically assumed that I would not be silly enough to book a flight for the next day that late in the game. So they just shifted it to May because that's the normal time people are looking for flights. And I just booked it without thinking. I had a ton of things going on. I was trying to, you know, get things done. And I just booked it. And I'm just like, and so I had to cancel. It was my mom's it is my mom's birthday today. So I had this whole thing set up where she was gonna to come to Buffalo. We were gonna to go to the game. I was gonna to go to their cabin afterwards. We were gonna have birthday and this and that. I had a Sabres jersey for her. Oh no. And then I had to, like this was a job I was gonna go like for the Sabres, they were gonna, you know like I said, prayed me around like a show pony. And I had like my whole itinerary. I was like shooting cannons, t-shirts out of a cannon, like all this great stuff. Canceled it all. Well, cause see, and then here's the kicker. So I called Delta and I, I figured out that I wasn't going to be able to fly. It was like at five 35, the flight's at six fifteen. So I had a, a window where I could still get a ticket. I call the guy very friendly. I'm like, Hey, I made a mistake. I booked the flight yesterday. He's like, I see that. I'm like, is there any way you could just, give it to me today. Cause I had already gone on and searched that there were flights available. I'm like, it just like, just do me a solid man. He's like, Oh yeah, no, we can do this. No problem. No problem. No problem. And he's like, okay. Um, ding, 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 gets it all plugged in. He's like, that'll be an additional thousand dollars. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, I just booked it yesterday. It was $500, the initial flight, which is still a lot like for uh, there and yeah. back, you know, it was 500 bones, but not the, long Sabres flight were paying, either. the Sabres were paying for it. So I was like, whatever. And, and so he's like, it'll be around 1500. And I'm just like trying to process it. I'm trying to just convince myself to buy it. And I couldn't do it because I, I knew the Sabres didn't want to spend that much. They wanted to be around the $500 mark. And I, I ended up just kicking the can. I'm like, I'm, I'm out of here. I had to let the guy know in Buffalo, I'm not coming. He was not happy. My parents were not happy. Actually, my parents were, I'm a little offended. They were okay you are like, yeah, it's fine. Can we still get the tickets? And I'm like, yeah, you can still get the tickets. I so like, okay, cool. That, and that was the conversation with my mom. She's like, yeah, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, John who? Who is this? Mm-hmm. No, they're like, but the tickets are still going to be there, right? I was like, yeah, they will. Okay, that's fine. And it was such a great conversation.
0: You were being paid to be there, right? Yeah. So even if you paid the $1,000, you still want to come up on top for the day or the weekend. Like, Why not just do it?
1: Damn, that's uh, like, I'm not going to go there for a day if i'm not coming home with at least a decent amount of i don't know i guess i could have yeah right yeah just say
0: just make a number up and say it's it's a thousand less than it would have been but still more money than you
1: making at home today it's the principle of the whole situation too where i was like talking to this guy saying no one's gonna sit in this flight i am at the airport right now and no one else is checking through and i can see the seat is open why are you trying to charge me a thousand dollars more He's like, it's not yeah. up to me. It's out of my control. And I go, well, guess what? You're losing my money. And I said, have a good day, sir. Thank you for all your help. And that was it. So maybe my stubborn, you know, my stubbornness got in the way of me being in Buffalo right now.
0: It's an emotional thing. an emotional thing. It's happened to me before. And you're not thinking
1: clearly. I'm, I'm getting hot just thinking about it. Well, and it's like. Was I really meant to be to go to Buffalo? And then I started thinking, and this is where I I, I go dark. I'm like, this plane's going to crash. I wasn't meant <laughs> to be on <at> this plane. <laughs> you know, and I start going that route. I'm like, something's going to happen where I, I just dodged a bullet. Like something bad's going to happen. So this is just probably a good thing. And I try to just justify it that way. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for those poor souls in that plane. It's going down, baby. It's going, but they arrived. N- not, not that I have seen. I haven't seen any reports of any... Any plane crashes lately near the Buffalo area? But, anyways, that's why I'm here. That's why we're doing a nice Friday episode, which works out because we have some playoff matchups to to critique, to go over, to dive into. There's eight matchups coming up. We don't know. What's funny is there's only one game left in the regular season. Most teams have played 81 games. There's only two playoff uh, matchups that are solidified. There still is a lot of shuffling that can go on, mostly due to the wildcard teams being able to jump up into the top three or the wildcard teams themselves inverting themselves whereas nashville can fall and dallas can rise washington can jump up the bruins can jump up all these things can take place in the last game of the regular season so we can't just say oh yeah you know the leafs are going to play the lightning that's not the case the bruins could jump in there which if i'm the bruins i don't want to win if i if i'm tampa bay i'm tanking tonight so i don't have to play the leafs so i get the luxury of playing the carolina hurricanes which is a, a luxury air quotes you guys can't see me every team's tough in the eastern conference but I don't want to get belabored. There is only two matchups that are locked in. Minnesota St. Louis, which has been locked in for a month now. These guys have known they're going to play each other for the longest times. And the same thing can be said with the Kings and the Oilers. I think for the last week and a half, two weeks, these two teams, they've known that they're going to face each other in the playoffs. So we're going to we're going to dive into this matchup, both of them. And and I'm not talking like a tiny dive, like, oh, Minnesota and St. Louis are the hottest teams. They're... No, we're we're diving in deep. And then the same thing with the Kings and the Oilers. It's like, oh, McDavid, can he get past this round? We're going deeper than that. Let's Tim, let's start it off with the Kings and the Oilers. What do you think? Because you I think there? Out, of the, out of the two matchups, to me, I'm like a sexy guy, and I want the sexiest matchup to go last. The Kings and the Oilers, yes, they do have the history there, the pedigree multiple Stanley Cups for both organizations. Like, a, a, a very deep fan base. But these days, they're not sexy. The Minnesota St. Louis series, to me, is sexy. So, why don't you start us off with the lesser of the sexiness of the two series? I I do think
0: the Oilers are a sexy team. That's a sexy story, though. This is the team that people are going to be watching. This is a matchup. Like, we. everyone wants to see McDavid go on a playoff run. Like, it's this is good for hockey. This is the team that... Uh, uh, it's not an exciting team to, I don't know. They're I, not my sexy. Tempers, my expectations aren't that high, but no, but this is a sexy group. This is Let me ask you a question. Players.
1: This is totally off topic. Okay. Do you remember the website hot or not? I know of it. It was a little before my time. Yeah. So you never put your picture up there? <laughs> no. I did. No. I put mine up there. I think I was in high school. I might've been in college. I almost got nine out of 10.
0: Nice. How many people just, voted? You I'm know, I'm just
1: saying, I'm crazy sexy. What um, made you say
0: that? Do I look good today? Is that what you? you yeah, think
1: about I think it? you could have ripped out an easy 9.5 for sure. You're better looking than I am. I tell everybody you know. that. I'm just yeah, taller. I'm, I'm just taller than you. <laughs> Girls like tall guys. It's, it's a, stronger. It's a scientific thing where they feel protected when they're around a tall man. That's all it is. It, it's ingrained in their bones that they're just attracted to taller men because deep down they want to feel protected. Let's say it's just science. Hey, man. Who do you think would win in a fight?
0: You or me, but I have a sword.
1: You could, you could just, okay, do that. Ask me that question again.
0: Who would win the fight? I have a sword.
1: You would me, me, me. You, you could have anything and I would still win. Not a gun, but think about it. I would still win. I think you'd be too scared <laughs> to fire the gun
0: okay yeah but like weapons implies a fight to the death i guess i do this uh, with my
1: kids all the time i'll go guess what if there was a black bear here i think i could take it and then i go, well what if there's a grizzly bear here i might like, give me a stick with a sharp hook on the end of it and i think i could take that grizzly bear i really do i, I firmly believe that and i would probably be mauled in five seconds but at least i would have the the confidence that I could do it, but I think I could beat you in any manner of fights and any weapons you could have.
0: That's (laughs) not any weapon. That's just, that's crazy.
1: And then it depends on the circumstances. If it's a small room, you could have a gun for sure. If it's, if it's an open field and you get a substantial distance away from me, then yes, maybe you could beat me with a gun, but still shooting a gun. People think it's really easy. I saw some stat at some point where, 95% of people, just a regular person, I don't shoot guns, they would miss someone 6 feet away shooting at them. Because that person might move around, they miss 95% of the shots. And as Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you have 100 bullets, you're going to hit me with five, but then you got to reload and there's all that there's a lot that goes into it. But yes, I think I would beat you. What are what are two teams that Wayne Gretzky played for? The Rangers and the Blues how about the kings and the oilers oh you were trying to team me up back to (laughs) (laughs) i knew what you were doing there yes let's get back i'm sorry listeners that was a terrible five minutes i don't know how we got down that path it was hard Uh, people love it they know they don't all right kings and oilers tim wayne gretzky's fame former teams let's break them down let's you, you start us off what are we doing here oh rangers
0: and blues okay so the Oilers, uh, they played each other four times, the Kings and the Oilers in the regular season. The Oilers won three of those games, but overall it was close. Thirteen goals for, or thirteen, um, yeah, goals for the Oilers, eleven goals for the Kings. So it
1: was close. What? It you really, you really butchered that. It was thirteen, eleven in total goals scored. It took me five minutes to say that number. It really um, did.
0: What's interesting approaching the series though it's like a story of opposites in my mind. The Oilers are a very top heavy team they're high flying offense they're high octane they're octane they're go go go. The kings are built for depth there's nothing really flashy about their roster, and yet they're going to play each other in the first round it's like a tale of two cities and as you kind of approach this, you have to remember the Oilers. We have this idea in our mind of 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 them really being disappointing in the playoffs. lot of the Leafs, right? Um, but they've looked like a totally different team in the new year under Coach Woodcroft since they fired what's his face. Uh, and yes, as we pointed out many times, the schedule has been on the easier side. They've played not only in the Pacific, but and during during the stretch, like you said, about a month and a half ago, you know they're going to go and bu- win a bunch of games in a row because they're playing a, a bunch of b- bad teams and in february and march and they've done it but they've looked strong they're beating up on a lot of these teams and the secondary scoring has improved um the tough thing is this group is under a lot of pressure to show something this isn't really a roster you can completely blow up if things go wrong it's not like these guys are going to be a totally different team in the offseason just because of the contracts they have but this is a team that has something to prove and there is some pressure here for mcdavid and the rest of those guys to to do well on the flip side you have the kings I in my mind this is a very low pressure. They weren't supposed to be here. No one really earmarked them for a playoff team. I think we saw maybe the Canucks taking another step. We saw maybe the Jets coming back. Certainly everyone thought Vegas would be in the playoffs. I don't think anyone really expected it, you know maybe a small a small group the Kings to be in the playoffs, not only in the playoffs but solidly in a spot, not even a wild card team. So I think um, they're playing with house money, and I think they don't have much to lose. They weren't supposed to be here in the first place. So I think this, this really is a team coming from two – this group's come from two different uh, ends of the spectrum here.
1: Yeah, what do you – I'm interested because we obviously know Edmonton's strengths, right? They, they have the two – arguably the two best players in the NHL with McDavid and Ryan Seidel. They added Evander Kane. Zach Hyman was a good pickup. He's had a solid season. I think he's got 50 or 60 points. So he's, he's been serviceable. We know Edmonton's strengths. Their back end isn't strong. What would you say are L.A.'s, LA's strengths? What do they rely on? If you're going to, you know, you try to play to your strengths. Obviously, Edmund, Edmonton, they they, they want to go up and down the ice. They want to make it a track meet. They want to just make this, you know, seven, six games. If this is the L.A. Kings, what does an ideal game for you look like? Do you want to try to match power for power with, the, with this team? What are you doing? If you're um what's their coach's name? He was my coach. It's uh what's his face? McClellan. Jamie or yeah, yeah McClellan
0: um i think they want a low scoring game because you want to keep it tight you you open up those those floodgates and mcdavid and dry can go and do their thing and all of a sudden it's 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 four to one in, in in the course of one period or something so they want to keep it tight they want to keep it close they want to keep it physical for sure that's been la's you know game for for a while so i think they want to keep it close they also want to rely on secondary scoring because here's the thing you you with the guys like of McDavid and, and dry as character, this is going to be one of the keys to the series guys of that caliber. You can't shut them down completely, right? You not for a whole series. You just can't, it's not, it can't be done, but you try to contain them. You try to make sure that the points that they are getting, maybe are, are, are it's, it all, it's all in one game, maybe one game, they go off the rest of the season they're contained or they're scoring like secondary points or they're scoring when the game's already out of hand, it doesn't matter as much. And I can't think of, really a better combination in the league or better one, two combo of players to shut those guys down on any single roster than Kopitar and Deneau. There's a couple maybe ahead of them, but those two guys are really, really good shutdown centers, two-way centers. They can, they can get right in their face. They can stay with them. So I think one of the, the the keys to the series is going to be shutting those guys down and, and the Oilers on the flip side to have the secondary scoring show up. You've got, um, Evander, like you mentioned, you got you got Hyman, you've got the Yamamoto's, the Puglia-Yarvi's, all those players. Those are the ones that are going to make a difference in this series for assuming that McDavid and Drysdale can't do, and all the attempts are going to be spent on them, we're going to make you, it's like it's like in football, X's and O's, right? They, if they got a bad quarterback, you shut down the run game. He's like, you're going to have to beat us in the air. That's what you need to do in order to do it. So I think that's one of the, the keys here.
1: Yeah, we'll see if to know, because gosh, he proved that he can do it when the Canadians made their cup run two years ago. Like, he has that ability, which I don't think people realized. I got to play with him for one game <clears throat> when I was with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and he's a good player. I-, I think his offensive upside has surprised some people this season. But just going back to your point as far as depth scoring and high-end scoring, I was just looking at L.A.'s stats. Kopitar is their highest-scoring player. He only has 67 points. The LA Kings do not score a lot of goals. I think out of all the playoff teams, they're the least goals for of all the single, of every single team that are in the playoffs right now. So it, I, this is a bad matchup for them. It really is because I don't see a way that you can slow down the Oilers, McDavid and, dry and Settle. I, I, I just don't see it. I think teams have tried throughout the year. I think they might be able to like maybe slow them a little bit. You're not going to stop them. And gosh, I keep not believe I'm saying that because they have been stopped in the playoffs years past. I don't think L.A. will be able to do it. I don't think L.A. has the offensive firepower to be able to put a couple goals on the board to be able to win this series. But I could be completely wrong. The thing that stands out to me that's going to be a real difference maker for the L.A. Kings is their defense. Losing Drew Doughty midway through the season or actually probably three quarters of the way through the season. That's a huge, huge deficit to them. He was their leader. He was the guy they throw on the power play one, power play two. He anchored everything. He got tons of minutes. He's played half the season. Since he's gone out, their defense has done nothing on the back end as far as offensively. They they really struggled. I think their next highest guy is Sean Dersey. You know, he he's not breaking any records on the PP. Then you got Matt Roy and Edler, who's like 40 years old. So I think the big question is will these guys be able to keep up with the others when they're up and down the ice? Their head to head matchups. I know they said it was three to one. Their last two or three games, Edmonton has outplayed them. I think they beat them five to one and four. Now it, it was a substantial win. What were the scores, Tim? You're shaking your head. There was an yeah, overtime the game two, there, wasn't there?
0: The first two matchups of the season was uh, LA won 5 1, and then Edmonton won 5 2. So, like, there were some big swings in that. And the, the most yeah. recent two games were, were close it was four to three and three to two, I think. One of those in overtime, like you said. So, I, I that's why you know, these teams are closer than, than you think, I think. And I think Edmonton's got some big glaring weaknesses that are just as big as what LA has got. One of them being goaltending. So that's one of the big questions that we're kind of asking as we approach this, I was talking to the guys at at, um, Oilers nation nation network this morning. They say uh, Smith's going to start game one. That's the expectation, but it's not, he's not a workhorse type of guy. It's not the, the, the rain is pretty short. So the big question is who gets the net through this series? Who says this is my net? Who's taking it with them? um, And what version of those guys will we see? Because both Smith and Miko Koskinen have been really good for stretches and been like, you know, among the best in the league for junk bits at a time. They've also been the worst goalies in the league for long stretches. And so that's been the, the knock on them, especially in the playoffs. These guys have just not really been what they needed them to be. And that's a big glaring thing that Jonathan quick at this point in his career is no longer like he's no longer elite. He's no longer top of the top, but he's solid. And I don't think he's going to lose you a lot of games where the Oilers could could lose a whole series just because of goaltending. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Both of these teams. Sorry. I just shoved a cookie in my mouth. I thought you were going to go a little longer. Tim, she, too. she said, but it was massive. That is what she said. I feel like, These teams, goaltending is the weakness by far out of any aspect of both of these teams, but I think Edmonton, boy, oh, boy. I don't trust either of their goalies. Mike Smith, you can't rely on – I know he's played well the last month, and I know know, I, I talked about how they've been playing weaker teams and their schedule is beneficial to them. I will give Edmonton this, and I'm the first one to jump on the bandwagon that Edmonton stinks. They played pretty good hockey the last month and a half of this season, even versus good teams. It wouldn't surprise me if they won a couple rounds in the playoffs, just based on how they're playing because the West is so incredibly weak and they get to play the LA Kings in the first round and potentially another weaker team in the second round. If they were in the East, they would lose in the first round. So would the LA Kings. The fact that one of these teams is going to make it in the second round is another topic for another show. But when it comes to the goaltending, which Jonathan quick are we going to get? Because, Gone are the days when every single night you put Jonathan quick in the net and he's going to be an a plus goaltender when he's out there. Now, some nights he's a plus plus he's absolutely outstanding and he's robbing players and he's, and he's making saves. He has no right making. He's a very acrobatic goaltender. Nowadays you get one of those games and then you get another game where he just doesn't look right. And he's letting in goals and he's not on his position and he's not the Jonathan quick that we have, you know, we knew when we were growing up, you and I, So that's the big question. And they have Kyle Peterson. They split times this this season. So we'll see how much of a leash that they give Jonathan Quick. I I think we'll see all four goaltenders in this series. That's what I think. I think whoever gets the first win, they'll throw in their backup the next game maybe. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if we see all four of these guys in the playoffs just because, gosh, none of them – of the four, has really done anything to instill confidence in me as a fan, probably the same thing as a coach or a GM. So it'll be, gosh, this is the weakness from both teams by far.
0: Okay, so we've spent a lot of time talking about the Oilers and like same old, same old, definition of insanity, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any reason to think this year is going to be different for Edmonton based on the pieces they've added? Now, they didn't have Evander Kane, obviously, last year. They didn't have Zach Hyman last year. These are two players that I think are, are built for the playoffs. They're tough. They're gritty. They're smart. They can add plenty of scoring. And I've, we've seen what Hyman can do in the playoffs for, for the Leafs teams. So he was not the reason that they lost any of those series. He's a good, good player. Um, could those be the pieces to help them get over the hurdle here?
1: No. Well, like, what's the hurdle? To win the Stanley Cup? No. Let's say – if if, I don't know. If they win two rounds, will those two players be a big part of it? I think they'll be a massive part of it just because, like you said – the playoffs is built for them. And it's interesting. We always talk about, well, the, the playoffs it's physical. It's hard nose. It's in your face. Do the Oilers necessarily want to get into that type of series? Do they want to get into a series where there's scrums after every whistle where you, everybody's getting hit? No, everybody's getting hit. There's no inches given. Do they want to make that into that type of series? Cause I don't think they do. I know they have Cassie I know they have Evander Kane, but that's it. Like Zach Hyman, he's physical. But if you try to make it into that type of series, if you're playing Nashville, if you're playing Calgary, if you're playing Colorado, if you're playing St. Louis, if you're playing Minnesota, I don't see them coming out on top. I I think they want to make it a fast-flowing game. I think they want to get up and down the ice. If I'm their coach, if I'm Woody, I'm going to Evander Kane saying, listen, stay out of it. We don't want any scrums because the minute he gets in a scrum, if I'm on the opposing team, I'm going right after McDavid. Every single time there's a scrum, Vander Kane starts it. I'm hacking McDavid on the laces. I'm giving him a shot in the back of the legs. I'm face washing him. I'm trying to get him off his game. The same thing goes for Zach Hyman. If there's a scrum, I'm going after Leon. That's all I'm doing. And we had Pronger on. He, he said he would do that. Anytime there was a scrum, he would abuse the other team's top player. And I guarantee you the LA Kings coach, Todd McClellan, is saying that to his defensemen and forwards. Anytime there's a scrum, go after McDavid. Because if you eliminate him, you win the series. Him and Dryan Seidel are their whole team. They combined, I think they got, like, McDavid is what, 130. and Seidel's got 117 around that. The next highest guy is Hyman with 50 points. So they double the next highest guy. If you eliminate those guys, you win the series. That's why I don't think that's the right way to go if you're the Edmonton Oilers. In this, maybe in this round it might might work because the LA Kings can't score. If you try that in the second round, you're going to lose. So I don't think getting a Vander Kane with his physicality is going to move the needle. I think he is a good compliment to those guys. He does go in and get on the forecheck, but I don't think they want to get into that type of game, Tim. I really don't.
0: Well, I, I still think you're underestimating the Kings there. I mean, they they scored fewer goals in the regular season than, than the Oilers, but they also allowed fewer goals. And the other thing too, the Oilers, um, let me pull this up. They, they won a bunch of uh, overtime games. Yep. where that's not gonna that's not gonna play in in the regular season. You're not gonna get those three on three matchups. McDavid and Drysaddle fighting up. You're gonna have to grind it out and fight it out. And I, th- I think if I'm the Kings, I want to be the games that you're talking about, like that. Those what they might have to play if they if they do beat the Kings and go play the Wild or the Calgary Flames or whatever. Like it's gonna be just war zone, trying to win one nothing type of games. Physical every every shift, every 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 shot. And so I think the Kings are gonna try to just slow this way down to keep it physical. And, and do what they can to contain them. Like I said, make, make the secondary players beat them. And I think another key to this series is going to be the special teams. I know this probably applies to all series, but the Oilers have a better power play, not surprisingly, but they also have a better penalty kill, which really did surprise me when I was looking at that. Um, penalty kill is close, but the power play is not close at all. It's 26%, which is third of the best in the league. The Kings are, are toward the, the second half with 16% on the power play in the regular season. Which is going to be a, a, a big a big factor, I think. And the Kings are going to need to say discipline to keep, you know, you're talking about getting in the face of McDavid and Drysettle and those guys and the scrums after the whistle, but you don't want to be drawing penalties because you want to keep the third best power play in the league off the ice as much as possible. And neither of these teams draws or take many penalties during the regular season. So that's going to be a, a key aspect here.
1: Yeah, the, the Kings don't do anything that well. You know, they're. I don't want to belabor the point. They had the benefit of getting into the playoffs because the Vegas Golden Knights got hit by injuries the whole season. Anaheim started hot, but then they reverted back to the team they actually are. San Jose is old and slow, and they're just not a good team anymore. Arizona is a feeder system for the whole NHL. Seattle's an expansion team. And then L.A. was left. You know what I mean? So they don't do anything great. They do everything kind of good and you're you're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs when you have that system. They're a few years away. They have some good pieces. They have made strides this year, but if Edmonton doesn't win this in 5, this is a failure for the Edmonton Oilers. This is they should win. They have every advantage in every single aspect of this series with the exception of goaltending. If Quick gets on his game, he's better than Smith and Cock or whatever Coconan or Cocken or whatever his name is. Koskinen.
0: Yeah, I guess you you mentioned at the beginning of this segment that this is not a good matchup for the uh for the Kings just to play a high octane team like this. <laughs> but I think it works both ways as well because this is like you mentioned that the Kings don't do a lot of things well, which is probably true. They're not great in any one area, but they're not really weak in any areas either. This isn't a team that has a lot of weaknesses. They don't have a ton of talent, but they're but they're good at what they at, at their game and they don't have a lot of ways to be beaten. So I think, you know, this could be easily the Kings' win this in five or six, too, I think. I think. I think it could go either way. I know you're shaking your head, but I, don't, I think if you expose the big glaring weaknesses that the Oilers have, which they do, and the Kings don't, I, I think they could surprise some people. That's all I'm saying. Well, what's
1: the boilers' weakness? How do you expose that?
0: Yeah, uh, goaltending is one. I think, I think that's, that's a big potential thing. Uh, secondary scoring, we, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. I think their defense is not, is not super strong. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a high-octane team. They want to beat you with their superstars. They want to beat you on the power play. And if the Kings can, can maneuver that correctly and approach the series the right way, which I think they're probably game-planning to do, there's a chance there.
1: Yeah. I, I, no. No, because the Kings' secondary scores are better than the LA Kings' first-line scores. Like I'm taking the Hopkins, Oilers, yeah. Yamamoto, and these guys, and Polviari over the top line of the Kings. I, I just think the Edmonton That's Oilers are too much. I I do. Yes, that, that is not untrue. I I just think the Kings are too much for the. I mean, the the Oilers are too much for the Kings. I know it's it's nice to have a spirited debate, but you, uh, the Oilers are better at every aspect of the game. And I know you say uh, L.A. is they're good at uh, this and. That offense out of 10, the Oilers get a nine, LA Kings get like a, a four defense. They're both, I would even give the Oilers maybe a better defense. The Oilers are at a five and the Kings are at like a three goaltending. They're both at like a four or five. So yes, maybe they can expose or slow down McDavid and dry and and like try to limit them. I don't think they have enough, even if they are, you know, limiting those two guys to go and win the game because I, I don't think they have it.
0: Let me ask you this. Fast forward two weeks, the LA Kings just won in seven games. How did they do it?
1: McDavid got COVID, <laughs> and he died. That's the only way. Like They're not going to be able to stop him. And in all respect to know, he's a very good player. Those two first lines for the Edmonton Oilers are very good. And if this was a different team, if they were playing a different team, if they're playing Minnesota, if they're playing St. Louis, or if they're playing Colorado – we would be having a different conversation because I think those three teams have the guys who could potentially slow them, but they also have the guys who could, you know, <clears throat> make up for McDavid being slowed. You know, you slow down that first line, but you still have to fill the net. And I think those other teams have other players who can score some goals. I don't think LA has that. I, I don't. Maybe for one game they might, but I think in a seven-game series, Edmonton's just too strong. You can, you know, even their third line hasn't been playing that bad. The, the Nuge and Fogle and Ryan, I think, is on it. They've been good.
0: So you, know, you don't give them any chance.
1: The none. Well, everybody has a chance. You know, that's why we dropped the puck. But if I was a betting man, which I am on points bet, I'm taking the Oilers in five. I am. And I know we're not going to give our predictions till Monday because I want to make a, you know, we want to make a big grand thing. But I do think the Oilers, are, yeah, they have to be heavily favored in this series. They have to, which is sad because they're such a bad team. <laughs> Just, kidding. Just kidding. Anything else you want to talk about on this uh, series, Tim? Uh, no,
0: you're probably not wrong. I mean, the Oilers are the better team here, and they are their favorite, and they should be. You know, it's fun to play both sides here. I, I just think it's closer than you than you think. But I think I do think the Oilers are better.
1: Well, let's let's um, touch on Dustin Brown. This is a swan song. He's probably going to retire after this year. He's 37 years old. Obviously, his best years are behind him. How does he go out? Does he go out as a guy who was a major part of those Stanley Cup winning teams, or does he go out as kind of a tertiary player on L.A. Kings team that hasn't been good for the last few years? What's his legacy?
0: Uh, Probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't mm. think anyone's expecting to see the Dustin Brown we saw in 2012 when they went on that cup run. And, you know, he was a, a power forward that was scoring big goals and all that. On the flip side, I think he's still got something to prove. I think he wants to go out on a positive note. And I think winning a playoff series, you know, no one's expecting him to go on a deep run or anything. But I think beating the Oilers would be a perfect way to – to solidify, you know, his memory in this in this city on this team. So I think he'll be a player to watch. He wants to go out on the right note, and I think he's still got something to show that he's still got some juice in the tank. So, yeah, I think he'll he'll be something to keep an eye on in this series.
1: Yeah, he's hungry. And you know what he should do? Use DoorDash. Because when you're hungry, you fire up the old app, you go to DoorDash, and you get yourself some food. And luckily you, you get a deal because you're listening to Dropping the Gloves, or as the kids call us, Tim, DTG. So go to DoorDash use promo code gloves dd us if you're in the us of a if you're in canada gloves dd get 25 percent off you get free delivery you get some food if you're dustin brown he's always hungry he wants to win and his tummy's always empty so go to doordash get yourself some food use our promo codes and you'll be very happy that you did all right tim it's time it's time to get sexy minnesota wild st louis blues now this is where this playoff structure maybe gets a little tricky but That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. These are arguably the two hottest teams in the NHL. Would you agree? They're up there. Yep. They're definitely up there. The last 20 games, they both have 15 wins. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10, both of them. They're absolutely scorching hot. And the sad thing is we're going to lose one of them in the first round. Now, who is that? I don't know. Usually when you look at a series, you can say, okay, this this team has an advantage. This team has a disadvantage. These two teams are so equally matched. I have no idea what's going to happen. And this is very rare when it comes to a first-round matchup in a professional sports league. Usually one team is better. If by a little bit, a lot of it, there's a a gap. This series, I have no idea what's going to happen. In the regular season, for whatever reason, St. Louis has just dominated in the last few years. I think the last 10... Regular season matchups, the Blues are 9 0 1. This year, they're 3 0, but it's a little deceiving. 3 0 looks great. It sounds great. You're like, oh, we, we got this team's number. Two games have gone to overtime. Minnesota has come back on them. Once, I think they were up 5 1. Minnesota came roaring back. They went to overtime. St. Louis won. It's a completely new ballgame in the playoffs. So you can throw out the regular season matchups completely out the window. What is staggering is both of these teams. They're known for the goaltending, right? Minnesota has Cam Talbot. They got Mark Andre Fleury. St. Louis has Bennington, who's been terrible, but they got Billy Hustle. Both, all three of these guys are lights out A one goaltenders, except when they play each other. For whatever reason, when these guys play each other, Talbot is garbage. In his three starts versus the Blues this season, he's got a five nine two goals against average and an eight fourteen save percentage. That is absolutely atrocious. Flurry, when he was with the Hawks, he played against the Blues. He went 0-3. He had a 3-3-6 goals against average and a 9-0-3 save percentage. That is ugly. Ville Hustle, when he played against the Minnesota Wild, I think he gave up 12 goals in two games. He was atrocious, but the only reason they won was because St. Louis filled the net, and they beat him, I think, 6-5 and 5-4, whatever the scores were. So he was no better. I think his save percentage was eight fifty eight. So all three of the goalies, for whatever reason, are bad when they play each other. So that means it's going to be a high-scoring game, which is strange because when you think historically of the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues, you think of physical, defensive responsibly teams who just lock it down. They're going to win games 1-0, 2-1, those sort of games. This is not what's going to happen in the playoffs. This is not what's going to happen when these two teams meet each other on. I think they start on Monday. It is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be up and down the ice, and it's going to be very fun to watch. All right, let me break down the Wild. I did a little digging. I was surprised, Tim, at what I found. Minnesota is one of the worst penalty kill teams in the whole NHL. Absolutely atrocious. Like, I'm not talking, you know, usually when you look at a playoff team, you're like, oh, you know, they're, they're top 10, they're 10 to 15, they're 15 to 20, they're, they're not below 20. They are a bottom five team when it comes to killing penalties which when you think of the Minnesota wild, you think discipline, you think structured, you think willing to do anything, you know, they, they're going to have a high PK percentage. They're a 75% penalty kill percentage team, which is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Usually a team when they're a good PK, they're 80%, 85%, 88%. If you're at 75%, you're doing something wrong. You don't have the right system. You don't have the right players. For whatever reason, it's not working. And that is terrible when you contrast that to St. Louis, which we'll get to in a second, a very like high end power play. So that's a recipe for a disaster for the Minnesota wild, but you think, Oh, they're going to have a good power play. If they have a bad PK, usually things balance each other up. No bottom, bottom 15 power play percentage for the Minnesota wild. Terrible, which you could understand. They have Kirill Kaprizov. After that, not a lot of high-end talent. They're not the Edmonton Oilers. They're not these other teams that can throw out just a juggernaut power play and just dominate teams and tic-tac-toe and this and that. They are a bad power play unit. So that's, that's their weaknesses The Minnesota Wild, where they excel five-on-five. Five. Since the deadline, they are the best five-on-five five team in the NHL, almost two-to-one better than the next closest team. They have excelled at five-on-five. For whatever reason, they stink on the special teams. They are the best team in the NHL, five-on-five. So if I'm the Minnesota Wild, you can't go to the box. You can't do it. And we'll get to this a little later, keys to the game, but you can't go to the box. Another Minnesota strength, I know I said, you know, they've changed their identity. They're still a very physical team. I think before the deadline, they weren't strong Physically, they, they were getting pushed around a little bit. Yes, they had their one line with uh, Greenway, Felino, and Erickson Eck. That was basically all they had. Every other line was small, shifty, not a lot of pushback when it came to uh, the physical game. And teams would come in. Yes, you would have that one line, but you lacked The back end wasn't very physical. Minnesota needed something to shore up that physicality because you're going to be playing Calgary. You're going to be playing St. Louis. You're going to be playing Colorado. You're going to be playing like St. Louis isn't a heavy team, but you're going to be playing heavy teams potentially in the playoffs. They went out. It's Billy Garen. I think made a really masterful trade by getting Nick Delore. It was a very under the radar trade. I know we've talked about it on this show, but he has changed the dynamic of this team. Not only him, Jacob Middleton, a guy who doesn't get a lot of praise. He goes out there. He's a meat and potato type defenseman. And in the playoffs, what wins you, Stanley Cups? It's not, yes, Victor Hedman is good. Yes, all these guys are good. It's the guy, it's the Chernacks for the Tampa Bay's guys who can go out there and play the hard minutes, get in people's faces, chip in offensively every once in a while, but can give you 20 minutes of solid hockey. And when you look back on Stanley Cup champions, they always had the 3 4 defensemen who just shut down the other team's top line, killed penalties, were good in the scrums, played the body, and just played good, solid, hard hockey. They weren't sexy but they got the job done and getting Jacob Middleton, being able to pair him up with a Jared Spurgeon who can just be a water bug all over the ice. It was an ideal matchup. So getting Middleton, getting DeLaurier changed the whole dynamic of this Minnesota wild team. So when you look at the wild five on five, they're out of this world. They, they got to play physical versus, versus the St. Louis blues. They got to stay out of the box. Those are the three things for the Minnesota wild. I think that are key if they have any chance of moving past the first round of the playoffs because St. Louis is such an incredibly good team. Is there anything on Minnesota missing, Tim, that you can think of?
0: Uh, probably not. No, I mean th- that was a good analysis. I'm just I keep thinking about like this might be one of the best series of the entire playoffs. And it's it's tough that it's happening in the first round because both of these teams deserve the chance to go on on playoff runs. It sucks we're gonna lose one of them. Cause this is like this is appointment TV for me. I don't even really follow these teams, but I saw them play each other last week.
1: And this is going to be, this is going to be a heck of a series. It's going to be unbelievable. And for the reasons we mentioned, and I think the St. Louis blues are probably the, I don't want to call them underrated. The least talked about team in the NHL, Minnesota has been talked about. They went out, they got Mark Andre Fleury, which wasn't even a weakness for them. Cam Talbot is a very good goaltender. He is very, very good. If you ask any GM in the league, any player in the league, Cam Talbot has been underrated his whole career. He's having a fantastic season. You bring in Marc-Andre Fleury. These two guys are such a good tandem. And it's funny. You go, well, Marc-Andre Fleury, there's no way. you know He's going to see them. and He's going to see the net. He's the guy. When Billy Guerin came into the league, I think he was an assistant GM with Pittsburgh. So he has history with tandem goaltender. Marc-Andre Fleury started the playoffs, I think it was 2017. He got him to the third round. Matt Murray got healthy and took over. And so he's used to – Billy Garen is used to seeing Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, he's in and out, bringing Matt Murray. They, he was totally comfortable with not just letting one guy have the net the whole series. So they have a history there. I could t- totally see, much like the Oilers and LA Kings series, Fleury and Talbot going back and forth, even if they had a good game. I think you want to get both of these guys comfortable in the net, give them a feel, and just see what happens. Let Like, let's go. I think if they – can tell that they're winning the series and they're dominant. You want both guys being comfortable in the net and give them a little confidence and not to just let one sit for four or five, six games. All right, moving on the St. Louis blues. When I played against the blues, they were the heaviest team we played. They had Backus. They had Reeves. They had Ott, They had, um, Berglund. They had Sabota. They had Jackman. They had all these, uh, Polak. It was a heavy team. When you played St. Louis, you had to do up your chin strap. You were going to war. They were going to punch you in the face and they were going to do it over and over and over and over again. And that's been their mantra for the last, I think, five, six years. Until the last couple of years, they've been starting to transition a little bit. This is a high-scoring team. I was surprised when I look at when I looked at the offensive numbers. You know, I expected Florida to be there. I expected Colorado to be there. When I looked at the goals for they're fourth in the league. St. Louis has scored the fourth most goals in the league this season at 305. And I look at their five-on-five goals for, not that high. They have an excellent power play. Second best power play in the league at 26.5%, which is insane. No one's going to catch Edmonton, or not Edmonton, um, it's Florida, Colorado, I can't remember. But to have that kind of power play, and they don't have an overly skilled team when you look at like the superstars of this league, for whatever reason, their system works. They can get up and down the ice, they control the play, and they put pucks in the net on the power play. I think that's the key. They don't try to reinvent the wheel. They go high to low, they get the puck on the net, and they get rebounds and they score goals. Their leading scorer this year only has 82 points. He's got 34 goals. I was totally shocked when you look at, okay, this team's fourth most goals in the NHL. They got to have a guy who's got 45. They got to have another guy who's got 40. They got to have another. Tarasenko has 34. The next highest guy has 30. And then it's just a, a list of guys who just got 26, 26, 26, 24, 24, 20. O'Reilly's got 19 folks. Got, they have such a deep team when it comes to scoring that I don't know how you stop this team. If I'm the Minnesota Wild and I'm looking at this lineup, I go, okay, who are we going to focus on? Which which line do you stop for the St. Louis, if you're the Minnesota Wild? If you're the Blues, it's obvious. You get Kaprizov, you get Zuccarello, you get Ryan Hartman. That's the line you focus on. But if I'm Minnesota and I'm game planning, I'm like, well, Thomas, Tarasenko, and Bucinevich are good. But then you got O'Reilly, Saad, and Peron, who's been having a strong year. Then you go down the list. You got Bozak, Kairu, and Barbashev, who also fill the net. So it's going to be hard matchup wise for the Minnesota Wild to just stop one of these lines. And that's the strength of the St. Louis Blues. They're a very, very deep hockey team. Another strength they have: they're goaltending, really hustle. What a revelation. They went all in. They signed Bennington when he won the Stanley Cup, gave him a big contract, absolute flop, absolute failure. I don't know what happened there, but thank goodness they picked up Hustle from overseas. He's been great this year. We'll see how that works out in the offseason. He's going to be UFA. But if he continues to play the way he's playing, if their power play is great, if their penalty kill is great, which has been all season long, they're the highest scoring team in the last 20 games. They've got 90 goals. I think there was a stretch there where they scored four and a half goals a game over like a nine game stretch, which is crazy. Like that's unheard of in the NHL. It's going to be tough to beat if you're the Minnesota wild. It really is. And so obviously I think the keys for the St. Louis blues, you just got to somehow get Minnesota to take penalties, keep doing what you're doing. They draw a lot of penalties. So it's, uh, it's going to be a tough, tough sledding for the Minnesota wild. These teams are so evenly matched him. I don't know. I don't know. What do you got to say?
0: Well, I think one thing you haven't talked about is just the, the experience here. The, the blues still have a bunch of guys from that 2019 cup team. And they have other guys that have won in other places, Brandon side. Like this is a group that has, has done it before. And I think that's a big unknown for the wild. You got plenty of experience, you obviously got flurry and that, but the, the core of that team, the the forward, the defense, they just haven't done it the way the blues have. So I think that's, that could be an X factor here as well.
1: I agree. And, uh, at the deadline, the blues added Nick Letty. I think that was much needed addition. They let, uh, obviously Peter Angelo go a couple years. Colton Parenko has struggled. He's kind of found his game a little bit, but he needs to be better if they have any chance of moving past the Minnesota wild and into the, you know, the conference finals and the Stanley cup. Eventually Nick Letty, he's been a good partner for him. He's been on and off his lineup. I think they have crew with Parenko right now, but Letty's he's, he's okay. You know, it wasn't a huge pickup at the deadline, but he's good play. He's played a ton of games in the playoffs. He was with the Hawks. He won a cup. He went to the Islanders. He's played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. So he'll be a good addition for them. Keys for the series, Tim. Minnesota Wild, I think it's obvious. Stay out of the box. If they can stay out of the box consistently, only take maybe one or two penalties a game, they'll win this series. I truly believe that. I think five on five, they're the better team. They can stay out of the box and stay healthy. Right now, they have a couple key injuries. Spurgeon's been injured. Dumba's been injured. Zuccarello's been banged up. If these guys can you know, get their bodies right, be healthy for the whole series, I think they can win this series. I really do. So those are the two keys. The Blues, conversely, they need to convert. If they get two power plays a game, they got to score one. If they get three power plays a game, they got to score two. I don't think they win the five-on-five battle. And the key for them, I think, is you have to score first. If they don't score first, I think Minnesota can – lean on them a little bit, play the physical game, dump it in the corners. Minnesota won't be pressing to score, which is not their MO. Minnesota, if they're pressed to score, I think they're apt to making mistakes, and that's not what they want to do. So Blues score first, convert on the power plays, make it a track meet, get up and on the ice. I think they got this series, no problem. Another key is, I actually was surprised when I saw this. I guess it's not a key to the series, it's just a little nugget. Next year, Minnesota is going to get hammered with the salary cap. So when you talk about pressure, who who needs to win the cup, you think of Colorado, you think of Toronto, you think of these teams. The Minnesota Wild next year, they have to eat, I think it's $12 million in cap because of Suter and Parisi. So this year they had the buyout. They only had to eat two and a half each or 2.3 each. Next year, they eat $12.7 million of dead money because they bought out Parisi and Suter. You add that on a flat cap, I think the cap's supposed to be $83.5 million. This is it. Next year, they're going to have to lose a lot of guys. They're going to have to figure it out because with that dead money, they're already over the cap and they still only have, I think, 15 guys signed for next year. So they're going to have to make some serious moves. So this is it, Tim. They have to win this year. If they don't make the Stanley Cup finals, if they don't make a big run, it's a huge failure. That's why they went all in. That's why they went and got Flurry. That's why they went out and got Middleton, who they, they had to pay a lot to get. And he, he was a sought after defenseman. They went out and got DeLory a little bit, but this is it, Tim. This is do or die for the Minnesota Wild right now.
0: Yeah, I love that Middleton pick, but you're right. I didn't realize this. It's almost 13 million dead cap next year. And then it gets even more after that. It's 14 the following year and 14 the year after that. Like that's, a- yeah. <laughs> that's an expensive buyout. That's expensive as it gets.
1: Well, because they waited so long to buy him out. And then, you know, it's the price you pay for getting rid of players. So they're going to be eating dead money, 12, 14, $14 million. And in this salary cap era, when the cap isn't rising every single year, that's a tough pill to swallow. That was a big decision by Billy Garen to let those two guys walk. But he had to do it. They were both making $10 million. They were tanking this team. They weren't playing good. So this is it. Minnesota wild you have to make a move this year but that being said I'm not going to give you my prediction just yet because I don't know I really don't know there's still a lot of unknowns we'll see who gets the home ice advantage after tonight because I think that'll play a little bit of a part I know I don't like to say that because I don't think home ice means that much but when these teams are this close I think it will mean a lot in this series so I'll give you a little prediction come Monday morning right Tim that's right all right. You want to do quick kits or do you want to get out of here? Save it for Monday.
0: Let's do some points bet. Let's just go down the line. There's a lot of, it's a, little, a lot, a lot of games tonight and they matter. Like there's a lot every of game matters. Games, right.
1: All right. Let's do it. Do uh, to just do the meaningful ones? Well, should we do Sabres Blackhawks? The one, the game I should be there. <laughs> do the same. <Sabres laughs> yeah,
0: like five to one.
1: It's going to be an amazing
0: time at that arena.
1: It's going to be and an epic night. Like, yeah. Six, five, four fights. It's going to be incredible, but I'm not there. All right, let's do the meaningful ones. Bruins, Maple Leafs. Big, big playoff implications here.
0: Maple Good Leafs. Yeah. Maple Leafs. Absolutely. Do you think the Bruins One. start
1: their... Go ahead.
0: Well, I don't know who they're going to start. I Probably Swayman. Omar played last night. Got a shout out. I think probably Swayman, but they called up six guys from Providence this morning. They're tanking. I think... I think they start all of them. There, wasn't, there was no goalie in that group, I don't think. But yeah, they don't want they don't want that spot. I, I saw tweeted about this last night, and someone asked me like, "Don't you want the the beat the best teams?" And like, no, no, not in Give the first me, round, round, two. No. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I think Tor- Toronto wins this one. But again, like, it's who would Toronto rather play in round one? Tampa, or the Bruins. Tampa's the better team, but the Bruins have that history; they can't beat them. So I don't know. No, who they, they would who they want to play one.
1: the Bruins. So I think this is a case of. Nobody wants to win this game. I would be surprised to see who Toronto has called up because, yeah, like you said, if I'm Toronto, I want to play the Bruins. If I'm Boston, I don't want to play Toronto. So it's going to be a funny game. It'll be, I would, I might watch that game to see how bad they can be because it's just going to be turnovers and people taking penalties yeah. and guys having breakaways. Oh, he fell down. I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, I'm going to take, I'll take the Leafs. I think the Bruins are better at just being a bad team i don't think toronto can be as bad as the bruins can be
0: well and not only last night was a big big victory it was an emotional one their 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 trainer retired after 29 years he was on the bench the whole game which is pretty cool bergeron had a hat trick last home game all mark gets his first shutout like they really went all out last night i think even regardless of the implication this is uh you'd expect to step back tonight against a good team so
1: I, I think toronto would be a good bet we're both taking toronto all right let's go to the capitals and rangers Again, playoff implications. Capitals, I don't think, can move, but the Rangers. Oh, the Capitals can move. They can yep. get past the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think if I'm them, I definitely want to get past the Pittsburgh Penguins and jump into the third spot. Who do you got?
0: Yeah, I uh, I uh, think the Rangers are going to win this one. Uh, what are the implications for the Rangers in this game? Are there any? Well,
1: rain, uh, the Rangers don't have any. I think they're locked in on the second spot. They're going to have home ice advantage for the playoffs. So I think they probably will sit some guys. Potentially, but we'll see the lineup because Panarin's been banged up. I bet you they sit most of their top guys have been a jad. I bet you Shashirskin gets the night off.
0: And so the Rangers and the Penguins, the Rangers and the Panthers, one of those two teams is going to play Washington. One of them is going to play uh, Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah. So round.
1: Pittsburgh, well, and, yeah, the Rangers are going to play Pittsburgh or Washington. Those are the two options.
0: And if you're the Capitals, you'd rather play the Rangers. And if you're the Rangers, you'd rather play the Capitals. So I think. I think the Capitals want to win this game. I think both teams want the Caps to win.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking the Capitals. I, I think the Capitals yep. win this game. I think the Rangers tank. They they don't dress anybody, in the, the Capitals get the win, and they're going to jump into the – well, then it depends on Pittsburgh. Who does Pittsburgh play? So let's let's jump to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They play – they don't even play. Who do they play, Tim? Columbus at home. Ooh, well, they're going to win. It's it's a moot point. Pittsburgh is going to win that game. What other games do you want to handicap here?
0: Uh – Tampa let's do the Bay Blues, the Lightning. Blues, Knights,
1: Avalanche Wild. Let's do those two and call her a day. No,
0: the Tampa Bay game
1: matters too. Why? Versus <laughs> the Islanders. You like them to win? Well, yeah, unless they want to lose because then they can slide they down. They do want get... to lose.
0: Right. That's what I'm saying. There's so many, nah. so many storylines for the last game of the season. This is so much well,
1: fun. Well, let's not talk about storylines anymore. It's a dragon on. Let's go just down the list, <laughs> top to bottom. Okay. Pittsburgh Blue Jackets. Who do you got? Pittsburgh. Me too. Sabres, Hawks. Sabres. Me too. Bruins, Leafs. We already got the Leafs. Panthers, Canadians. Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers, or the Canadians. I think the last game of the year, they'll show up. Red Wings, Devils, the barn burner. Uh, Wings. Yeah, me too. Capitals, Rangers. We both took the Capitals. Senators, Flyers. There's some garbage games. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh neither one neither one win imagine the matchmakers like okay which games the last game of the season we're going to pick that are going to be really like a high impact game and the most of them are duds all right i'll take the Senators, lightning islanders who do you got who do you got tim um
0: i think the lightning will win
1: all right there's I a lot of games care let's just play. cut the cord i don't think people even care all right everybody we will talk to you on monday thank you for listening very exciting we got the playoffs to talk about so have a good weekend everybody. Cheers.